<laughs> good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. For those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Andrew Grosset and welcome to the first episode, the first, hopefully the first of many, the first ep- episode of the Andrew Speaks podcast. Now, before I get into the first episode, I have to I have to touch on how happy I am to actually be in this in this position, despite the adversity that's going on right about now, to have actually got to a point where we've not got our podcast recording equipment here. And I'm actually speaking to you here this morning, recording this content here to be put out and starting an actual dream. So big shout out to JT Clark. They're based in New in in almost said New York then. They're based in New Cross, Southeast London, the state agents for for really coming, getting behind me and following the dream and making making this, this which is going to be something, a major part of my life, a major part of my future and is a major bucket list ticked off possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you, cannot thank you enough. So Andrew Speaks, what is it all about? If you guys have followed me from various different um social media platforms and you have be aware that I've tried and attempted the sort of podcast stroke YouTube stroke talk show stroke 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 kind of thing before so we've got a bit of AG Inspires in there because there's going to be a lot to do with success happiness motivation um, finance how to generate money how to make a success of yourself find your passion etc 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 these are all the topics that we've got planned and lined up to talk about we'll be bringing on some exciting guests some amazing guests in the weeks to come as we touch on these, each of these subjects, you know, but we're also going to have a bit of AG relates in there as well. Where we're going to be getting down and deep within, within relationship talks, what works, what doesn't work, why does love dry up, why do people go their separate ways, why, 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 and try and unearth and get some truth out there. So Andrew Speaks is really just topics that are close to my heart, things I think that are my gifts back to humanity, so to speak, to help get past some of the issues and common issues that we all face on a day-to-day basis and really get under the grip, underneath the, the, the underneath the skin of them, really. And also my opportunity to get to meet some really, really cool people um, that are experts in their field, that are experts in the fields and subjects that we're going to be talking about and bring them on as well so we can talk about find out how they what they think about them um how to get past them um and what to do about them this week's focus is all about the difference between success and happiness i think that success and happiness and this this ambiguous gray cloud that sort of sits over the top of them needs to be dug under, needs to get to the bottom of it, need to understand what it's all truly and truthfully about. Is there a difference between success and happiness? Does success and happiness equal the same thing? Now, this subject's going to be running for a few weeks. So this week, you've just got me. It's all me, all by myself. My whole house is sleeping. I'm recording this at a God unearthly hour. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just me, the microphone, and two computer screens. And this is my my sort of take on things with regards to the subjects of success and happiness. But we are going to be getting underneath it in the weeks to come. And we're going to be speaking to some other people and find out what their true vision of it is, what their understanding of it is, and whether or not they too, they do actually, whether the two, whether the two are actually the same thing. Yeah, whether the two are actually the same thing. So before we get into the actual, 
I suppose for me, I've got to take a look at it this way and express, I suppose for me, I've got to express my opinion first of all. And first things first, I don't think that naturally success and happiness fall together. And I have to explain my reasoning behind that understanding. It's not because they shouldn't. It's not because they shouldn't. And, and, and in fact, I would go as far as to say that my personal view on it is that you need to find a way to marry the two. But naturally, by society's definition of things, success and happiness are two separate issues. When we talk about success, it, term, it tends to be a financial thing. It tends to be a monetary thing. It tends to be to do with the things that we acquire in life. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. The things that we have in life, like the nice cars, the money in the bank, the good, the, 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 the big expensive holidays, you know, all of these things that we, that we acquire, they do make us happy. But when we're talking about happiness, that's to do with a whole different subject to fulfillment. What makes you happy within your heart? What makes you happy within your soul? A thing can make you happy for a minute, but what's going to actually give you that, that sense of happiness when you sit back late at night and go, oh my God, that was a great day. And when we're talking about those sorts of, that sort of level of happiness, that sort of level of happiness that can only be really achieved by doing something that ticks your ticks boxes within your soul. It's usually a point where, you know, it's something where you have used your own gifts, where you have done something for the value of others. So the subject of, of, of success and happiness is something that we're going to go again over and explore over the weeks, weeks to come with various different exciting people's views to bring on board to find out what they feel about it. So when we're talking, when we're trying to decipher between the two, when we're looking at we're talking, when we're looking at success and happiness and understanding, the first level of understanding is definition, and find out what it actually means to you. What does each word mean to you? So let's start with the word happy. And I have to ask you this. Do you know what truly makes you happy? Truly, truly and truthfully. And by that, I don't mean what you do to others that do with to others or for others or with others that makes us happy. Us happy is an easier subject to to. To, to, to contend with. It's an easier subject to get your teeth under. You know, when I talk about sub, talk about what makes us happy in terms of me and Karen, it's very easy to go, right, well, we'll go out to a really nice restaurant, we've got a really nice, all-inclusive ho- um, holiday, or we go for a drive, or we'll go to the cinema. Those are the things that make us happy. That's the defined level of happiness within our relationship between the two of us. These are activities and things that we can do that put us, a smile on our face. There, there's It's that agreed middle ground in a relationship where you go and write, well, these are the things that we like to do. You established it over a course of time for exploring each other's individual needs. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about you. And we're talking about you being able to define what you makes you happy. You by yourself. You by yourself without anybody else involved. And so when, when it comes to this sort of subject, especially within coaching sessions, I ask people countless amounts of times, if I gave you an unlimited budget and you had a whole day to yourself, would you know what to do with it? Yeah. would you know what to do with it? Would you know what to do with yourself? Do you, would you know what you would do with your time? You've got an unlimited budget. You can go anywhere as long as it's just for a day. Do you know what you'd like to do? Do you know where you'd like to go? What would you do? The vast majority of people that I have asked that over the course of the years can't tell me. And that's the true point of when it comes, we're looking at this whole thing of happiness. Most people don't know where their level of happiness is. They don't know what it is that would actually make them 
happy. It's this, again, we're coming back to this ambiguous cloud that sits over the word and people don't actually understand what it truthfully means to them because they've been pumped into their heads as to what it means in our society, what happiness means in our society. You know, people talk about happiness as in buying a brand new house, as in buying a brand new car. It's all associated with things. It's a very monetary led world that we live in. But when we're talking about this level of happiness, now we're asking you, what is it that truly puts a heartfelt, heartfelt smile on your face? And suppose the ambiguity stems from, you know, having to describe a feeling. Now, when we talk about emotions here, so we talk about love, we talk about happiness, because happiness is an emotion, it's not a thing. So when we're talking about the de- when we're talking about emotions here, what's the definition to those emotions that you desire to feel? In other words, do you have a roadmap to actually do you have a roadmap to actually knowing how to obtain those feelings? When we talk about being happy, what is it that makes you happy? The importance of being able to define it, because if you can't define something, if you can't label it, then you can't find it. If you can't find it, then you don't know how to get it. And if you don't know how to get it, what, what do you do? What do you do? You know, when it comes to the word success, when it comes to the word success, it's covered by the same cloud. You know, it's covered by the same cloud. You know, I was speaking to this young man the other day and I asked him what his marker for success was. And he immediately, immediately told me without, with, there was no hesitation at all. He told me that he needed to earn a million pounds. He pronounced that figure with such pride. But when I asked him why a million, he gave me an answer and then reverted to a lot of money. I continued to ask him and he started to get annoyed and his body language became defensive. I asked him again, why do you think you need a lot of money? And he eventually said, but it did. You know, when we talk about the whole, it's that ambiguous cloud that hangs over both words, happiness and success, because exactly the same thing exists when we're talking about trying to define success. What does success mean to you? I was speaking to a young man the other day and I asked him what his marker for success was. He immediately, immediately, no, there was no hesitation whatsoever, told me that he needed to earn a million pounds. He pronounced that figure with such pride and such conviction. But when I asked him why a million, he couldn't give me an, he couldn't give me an answer. And I kept prodding him, why a million? Why specifically a million? And eventually, eventually, got to a point of saying well that's because it's a lot of money in other words in his head in his head what he 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 understood a million pound represented a lot of money i continued to ask him and he started to get quite annoyed and his body language became defensive i asked him again and again why do you think you need a lot of money and he eventually said with a tear in his eye that he had watched his mother raise him and his two sisters struggling He had to go out to work when he was 16 instead of going to college to help his mother out. And so he had decided that he and his kids, so when he had, sorry, he decided that when he had kids, he didn't want them to go through the same thing and go through the same struggle. I asked him what reference, what reference and what relevance really the figure of a million was. And he actually didn't know. He actually didn't know. 
he just knew that if he had a lot of money, he wouldn't actually have to struggle the same way that his mother had struggled raising him. So he just associated a million with that desire. I need a lot of money. And so what he wanted was a million because that was dictated as being a lot of money to him. But here's the problem with an ambiguous target. He he put a precise amount on something that was vague. He attached a precise figure, figure sorry, to something that was vague. His need, his actual need, was to make sure that his family didn't struggle. But his target now was disassociated with him and his family and what they actually needed. Instead, it was this big, floating, hairy, ambiguous, audacious goal above his head that was ultimately giving him, causing him distress because he didn't have that stated million. So the fact is, actually, yes, he was right. If he got to a million, he wouldn't actually actually be struggling. But when we worked out his actual figure to not struggling in his world by his means, it was £3,000 a month, £36,000 a year. £36,000 a year. Look at the difference between £36,000 a year and a million. £36,000, £1 million. It's a massive, massive difference in between there. And with that opens up the grey area for perceived failure for him. Well, because he chose a goal that wasn't actually attached to the actual task. His task, his desire was not to struggle. But his, non, his non-struggling point for he and his family is £36,000 a year, not a million. Often our perceived version of happiness isn't our actual. And whilst having that dot on the, on the horizon is essential, if it's not true to you, it can extend your level of unhappiness simply by an inaccurate description. In other words, when if you have a dot on the horizon, that dot is not relevant to your world, you're not actually going to be happy until you reach the dot, even though you actually passed your point of what would be happy ages ago, ages ago. After we worked out the figure, he realized he was only one promotion away in his current company from actually having the amount of money that he needed. One, one promotion away. Before that, he was trying to cook up all of these fan- weird and fantastic ways of making money. He was starting to feel quite desperate because he had to get this amount, this, this, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. He had to get this million pounds. He had to achieve this million pounds on the horizon, but actually his point of happiness, the figure that he was desi- that he needed to have was so much so far greater. And in fact, he wasn't even looking at the obvious, obvious way of achieving it, blinking him back in his right in his face, just simply because he hadn't taken the time to begin with to accurately, accurately work out what it is that he needed to do. Now, that understanding changed his life and his, me- and his measure changed and he realized that he was a lot closer than he had given himself credit for. And with that understanding, his whole demeanor eased. With that understanding, he calmed down. 
with the understanding, he then started to take a look around at other areas of his life and, and get gratitude and appreciation for the family that he had. He was experiencing relationship problems between him and his wife. He was having, he was felt, felt distanced from his kids because he felt he had to go working at this accelerated rate because he had to get to this million pounds. He had to achieve this money. Otherwise he would be faced with this fear that he'd had for he needed inherited from his childhood. The truth of the matter was he was, he, he was one promotion away. One promotion away. If he went and when he gets that promotion, which he, he, he now he set his trajectory on it, we realize that the time frame away, we're looking at six months. He's six months away from achieving that specific target, but he wasn't even considering that line. He wasn't even considering that line. In fact, he was looking at leaving his job because he didn't understand. He lacked the clarity on the actual target at hand. So going back to the original question, is there a difference between success and happiness? You know, and I believe that if you get the true answers, by that I mean to get the answers that are true to you, then they can't be separate. The two have to be combined. Your success and your happiness, if you want to have absolute, an absolute shot at getting both of those in your life, because I don't believe it's an either or, which is why the two can't be versus each other or separated from each other. You need to have both together. Now, when we talk about being successful at life, being successful at life should always be your target. Now, that means more than just money. That just means more than just stuff. No, it means more than just stuff. Most people don't measure the success anywhere else other than in their bank accounts. And when that figure when that figure isn't tied back to a relative number like we did in, like we did with the young man earlier on, we can beat ourselves up in our measurement of things that we feel that we should have rather than taking stock of what we actually have. We can get so caught up and so angry and so upset with the fact that we're not here. We haven't got this thing. It causes major anxiety and is the absolute reason for the vast majority of people that suffer nervous breakdowns, suffer middle, what we call midlife crises. That's where they come from. It's people that have reached the middle point in their life middle point in their life might not actually be the middle point in their life but statistically the age that they're at is at that 35 to 35 to 40 mark and they're going oh my god statistical ages say i'm supposed to live until i'm 75 and i'm 30 and i'm 35 now and i'm 40 and i and 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 it all starts this big fluster because they're not where they think that they should be but this whole difference between should and need to your if you have an absolute understanding of where you need to be or your target, so to speak, is to do with the happiness of your life, then we're not taking just the stock of one vision. If you take a look at, if you try to appreciate a statue, some of the most major works of art in, in this world are statues. They're things that have been carved out of stone, marble, and they're glorious, glorious structures. You can't appreciate the value of that kind of art in one dimension. And when we're taking a look at your life, and ultimately what makes you happy, because that should be your target, what makes you happy. You have to take into consideration both the things and the stuff that you've got, as well as the genuine people that you have in your life, the genuine sense of happiness you get from the emotions sourced from the things, from the other elements of your life, and use that as your true guide as to where you, as to where you are right now, what you actually have. 
taking a look at the relationships in your life right now, the people that are in your life right now, the job or the business that you have and its potential success, the mind that you have right now. When you when was the last time you showed gratitude for you or said thank you to you for making it this far? I try to do it every morning. It's one of the most powerful exercises that you can go for, go through. When was the last time you said thank you just for you being you? Until you've actually tried running through the exercise, it's saying it sounds quite ridiculous, but it's not. You've made it this far. You've made it this far. No one at no point in your life has not faced some sort of challenge or adversity. When it's a baby, it's holding her head up. You know how hard that is? Your head's heavy when that neck muscle has not been not been exercised, not been used. You go at it and you go at it again and again and again and again and fail again and fail. You what next time you next time next time you go to somebody's house or if you've got if you've got a blessing of a young child in your family, then you'll see it. Watch how many times that tri- child tries to raise his head over and over and over again, relentlessly trying and trying and trying and trying. And then watch the elation on their face when they actually manage to do it. No one at any given point in that, your life has not faced adversity, has not faced a challenge. It's all about the values that we place on those challenges and how much failure or deemed failure that we've been exposed to over the years that's made us collectively believe that we are a failure. When you take a look at children, children running around in in the playgrounds, they have these fantastic goals, fantastic goals. I want to be a superhero. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a surgeon. I want to be a fireman, whatever it is. But when you see them trying stuff, they don't see the failures. They don't see the failed attempts. They just see the target that they want. And they go at it relentlessly, selfishly, and quite brutally at times. But it's funny how us as adults, us as adults, we can shy away from even trying because we believe that we're going to fail. We believe that we're going to fail. We've come up with this assumed close that we're going to fail based on really based on how things have gone for us in the past a failed business a failed relationship well they're not really failures they were your challenges they were your points of adversity they were the things that you had to learn in order for you to be the man stroke woman that you're going to be in the future no, well, going back to the child analogy, when you take a look at them, looking at, and we're moving forward now, so they're not trying to raise your head, but they're trying to walk. That child will drop on his backside thousands of times, but it still tries to get back up because the goal is so important. And we lose that determination as we get older because we become defined within ourselves. A baby doesn't have the capability of understanding if somebody was to call it a failure from their side. It doesn't have an understanding of what a failure is. It just has an understanding that I have to stand up. It has an understanding. I can see these two people, these people walking around on two legs. That's that I need to do that. That needs to be something that I'm capable of doing. 
that's how that's how big people transport themselves around. And if I'm going to be a big person, if I'm going to be like that person one day, you know, then I need to be able to do that. And so no matter how many times they fall on their backside, they get back up and they try again. They fall down, they get back up and they try again. And the routine goes over and over and over and over again. And each time they get a little bit better because they're paying attention and they sweat the small stuff. There's, in fact, there's a lot that we can learn just from watching kids into when it comes to the lessons of determination and consistency because they have it. And if they have it, that means we always had it. We just allowed society to cloud over it and change it as we got older. We we took on the impressions and opinions of others as we got older and, and, and made them our own. But the truth of the matter is we're, our minds were designed perfectly from the start. Perfectly from the start. Have you ever seen a child trying to learn how to run? So they've got the standing up bit nailed. They've got the walking bit nailed. Now they want to run because they've seen other children other children doing it. They've seen adults do it. They've watched it, watched humans doing it on the TV. It's possible. Again, they look at it with the same determination. That has to be something I'm capable of doing. I have to be able to run. So they attempt it and they fall flat on their face. It hurts, but they get back up and they still go again and again and again. And they fall flat on their face. Then they fall on their hands and they might fall on their elbows or their arms, you know. And then it's this staggered, awkward, sideways, really inefficient run that comes out first because they haven't quite got their balance. You know, then they realize that, okay, once I've got myself propelled here, I also need to be able to do this thing called stopping. And they run into a couple of walls, chairs, fall over things. They get back up. They get back up and keep trying. They get back up and keep trying and all of a sudden they get it. And you see that elation that spreads across their face when they get it. That's true happiness. Now I keep coming back to the child analogy here. I've gone completely off of my notes. So there's no point, point. I'm looking at the screen, but there's no point in looking at it. But when we talk about true happiness for us as adults, we lose that. We lose that over time because we get caught up with the things that other people want us to do. When you were a child and what you wanted, all you wanted to do was run, that was the most selfish thing ever. And if you watch children when out on the street, they'll fight their parents to get away to walk to, or to run because it's what they want to do. And they will fight them off. They'll shrug them off. They'll shrug everybody else off. They'll try and dodge people that want to pick them up and put them back into 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 the buggy. They'll fight to get in the buggy before you get the clips on to strap them into the seat. And they'll cry all the way home because it was their selfish goal. That was their goal. They need to do this. When we get to our level of, when we get to an adult, that sheer determination has been switched off through time of trying stuff and it not working out. And then the key, the key aspect to it is picking up the definitions of others to do with the activities that we've not been, not been successful at, at that particular attempt. At that particular attempt. We don't try these things long enough to actually, actually seek, actually seek success in it because our true level of happiness wasn't the targeted goal. Look at that child's face when it first learns how to run. 
when it first learns how to walk, when it first learns how to stand up, when it first learns how to pick its head up, this absolute sheer delight that goes across his face because it's a, it's in our human DNA to recognize success and happiness, especially when they're combined. The age-old saying reigns true. If you go looking for smoke, then you will find fire. And very often, that's started by you. If you look through the things and circumstances around your life, you beat your head over yourself over the head with them. When you look at the things that you deem as being mistakes that you've had, that you've done over the past, that you've now, that you've now got with this, this level of regret attached to them. And that could be a relationship. It could be a business. It could be your work. It could be, it could be whatever it could be. You beat yourself up with these, you beat yourself up over the head with these things over and over and over again. And in most situations, we call a mistake a mistake based on what we understand or learn from the event and fail to understand, fail to understand that you couldn't have the understanding that you have now. You couldn't have the understanding that you have now without that mistake. And I use inverted commas when it comes to mistake. Being there. When you take a look back over historic events in human history, the turning points, the major bits, the bits that turned humanity's understanding and redefined what humans stand for, always came after pain. Pain was the price to pay in order to have the joy that comes afterwards. In other words, there was always, always a trial always a trial before success and true happiness was achieved. If you're truly honest with yourself, being successful at this thing called life can only mean living a life that makes you truly happy. It can only mean those two things. The two cannot be separate as they live at the same destination. And if you find if you find that they are different, I would have to ask you to press a little bit further and see where it gets you. You know, that surface level, it's a bit like with the, with the young man that we we're talking on before. You know, we had to press and press and press to get to the real reason, the real definition, the real understanding of what was actually going to make him happy by understanding his true fear. Now, when we take a look at this, when, when we ask ourselves initially, you're going to come up with a list of things, a list of things that will, that, that you think will make you happy. But nine times out of ten, those things that you think will make you happy are the first level. They're not the real bit. They're not the real thing that makes you happy. So you've got to dig a little bit deeper to get to the base of it to understand what truly, truly, truly makes you happy. So what we're going to do before we sign out of this episode here is to actually take a look at those things that actually make you happy and see if we can get to an absolute definition. So to give you an example for myself, I have three things. Three things that doing these three things, and they're quite simple things, three things that make me absolutely happy. And the joke is even when I first started, and I first did this activity for myself, the first things I came up with were monetary. No. Having an Aston Martin DBS would make me extremely happy. Yes, it would, but it wouldn't give me the sheer it's not that's not the bit that makes me happy. 
That's not the bit that makes me happy. Driving cars is the bit that makes me happy. Hearing an engine and being in control of that engine is what makes me happy. The art of driving is what makes me happy, not necessarily the car that I'm driving. Because when I've looked at it over the years, whether it be an XR2i, an old Mark I Golf, um, the X5 that I've got now or whatever car I've driven over the years, I've driven so many, but I've got the same level, the same level of enjoyment from working on the car to driving the car. I've got the same level of enjoyment. So it's actually the driving itself, the activity that makes me happy. If you look at the surface level, my answer was, was an Aston Martin DBS. But when you press a little bit further, the actual, the actual thing is driving. So when it comes to, when it comes to these, these, the, as we come out of this episode here, I'm going to try and make sure that I try and leave you with something to to propel yourselves forward or give you an extra point of realization or move you forward a little piece. So what I want you to, what we're going to do in a second is I want you to think of three things, three things that make you truly happy. So as an example for me, for me, the three things that make me truly happy out there, and when we say me, I mean, this is just me. So it's not attached to family. It's not attached to my other half. You know, it's not attached to anything. It's just me. So performing karaoke makes me happy. I like to sing. There's a lot of stress that gets released, a lot of emotions that get re- gets released. I can explore a lot of my heart and my soul when performing the song. So singing makes me happy. Karaoke is the easiest way for me to achieve that. So that's that. Performing karaoke makes me happy. Weightlifting. Weightlifting is another one. Is another one. And, and those of you that know me through Instagram or in weightlifting circles or bodybuilding circles will completely understand that, especially if you're a lifter yourself. Weightlifting makes me extremely happy. There's a lot of success to be gained from actually lifting weights, both from the elation of fighting for a particular weight over a course of time and then eventually getting it. Remember, same like the analogy of the child lift, trying to lift his head. That's a weight in itself. But there's a, there's, there's a lot of stress and strain that I leave on the gym floor, right? And weightlifting makes me extremely happy. And as I touched on earlier on, there's also driving. Those are the things that make me truly, truly and truthfully happy, you know, truly and truthfully happy. And when you look at those items, it's very easy to find a way that none of them will happen. You know, I can't find a, car- a place that does karaoke. I can't get to the gym because life got in the way. I can't drive the car because I can't drive the car. You know, I need this certain car in order to do it. There's lots of things that get in the way of those activities. But this is the thing, when it comes to your happiness, you have to fight for prioritization. You have to put it to the top. You can't just wait for it or expect it to happen. These are the things that make you happy. So you have to fight for them. So you like to fight for them. So I looked for ways, I looked for ways to make it convenient to do these things. I look for ways to make it seamless and effortless to get these things and keep them in my life. So as I was looking for it, I realized that actually getting to a karaoke is hard sometimes because it happened at a particular time in a particular venue, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, and also <laughs> they, they ha- most of the times they happen in pubs. And when I'm trying to avoid drinking for competitions or just because I want to go for an alcohol-free stint, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tempting, tempting, tempting the fate really. So I went looking around and I found this app called Smule. And it's basically worldwide karaoke is absolutely brilliant. So now that puts the power in your hands. I've been watching far too much take me out as Paddy's lines are coming through, but it puts the, it puts the power straight back in my hand because now I can do a karaoke song. I can perform a karaoke anywhere that I am 
as long as I've got my phone and my headphones on me, so I leave the headphones in the car, I know I can do that at any given point in time. And if you look at the videos that are on there, um, <laughs> they're all done in my car because I found the most convenient, convenient time to do it was straight after the gym. And that's become my routine. That's become my routine. So going to the gym is actually this complete de-stressing process because I go there, I lift weights, I get rid of all of that, then I come out, I sing a song in the car, feel great about myself, then go back and do this thing called life. So it's about finding ways to make these things convenient. If these things are important, they need to be convenient. So you have to find a way and go at it as consistently as that child lifting up his head to find a way to make these things convenient. So I found this app called Smule. It means I can sing whenever I want to, wherever I am, as long as I've got even mobile internet or Wi-Fi, we're good to go. You know, So that gives me that sense of achievement, puts the power of control in my hands. You know, when I take a look at the things that I've got to do in this day-to-day, day-to-day life, thing called life, you know, I've got personal training sessions to do with. I've got my kids, my relationship, you know, we're going for gym tours. I've got coaching sessions. I'm planning this ex- expo. I've got personal training sessions. We're recording this podcast. My life is congested. There's lots of things to do. So I have to snatch pockets of time and absolutely, absolutely give these three things a level of priority. When it comes to gym, gym is one of those constants in my life that's been there fortunately since I was like 16 and has kept me out of trouble and kept trouble out and given trouble and exit out of my world. So it's an absolute need for me. It's not even a want, it's a necessity. I have to train. But again, as I just just highlighted, I have so many things in my life, it makes it difficult sometimes. So I have to make it I have to make it a priority and I also have to make it as convenient as possible, which is why I always have a 24-hour gym membership. 24-hour gym membership, and it means that I I my 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 promise to myself is that I'll go. No, I promise to myself is that I'll go. The variable is that I will adjust the session according to the amount of time that I've got um, and the mood that I'm in. So if I'm not particularly feeling 100%, I will go. I will always go, but I might adjust the session so it's not got too many, too much stuff in it. And then at the times I'm feeling great, I pile the stuff back in and we'll do extras. You know, but I have to have a twenty-three hour, a twenty-four hour gym available to me because that's what's good. That's my way of making it super convenient, which means I can plan it around it. I mentioned how I let my other half know. Well, Karen knows anyway because it's just as important to her. But she knows how important it is to me, so she doesn't stand in the way of that. You know, so I can go and train gym whenever I want to. Yeah, uh, and that and that's that's the other bit. And then when it comes to driving, I try to drive wherever I can. <laughs> I drive wherever I can. I like being in my own space, being on public transport. Really, number one, the seats are so small over here in the UK. Um, for someone of my size, they're really not that comfortable, and it's not comfortable for people to have to sit next to me. But I like being in my own space and being in my in my car. It, it, it in itself calms me. And then driving driving for long periods of time and being able to basically chase and run away from, from the way in which you're feeling, I get de-stressed. The more I drive, the more distance we carry, cover, the more, de- the more stress less, the more stress I release as I'm going along. So these are the three things that I plan into my life for me and also contribute me to me being able to call a week successful. Recognize that. Yes, there's the the bits that generate money. Yes, there's the bits that society would dictate as being, you know, successful. 
But to me, my objective and my goal is always to be successful at life. It's taken me a long time to get to that understanding, that level of understanding, but I'm there now. So these three things I just mentioned to you earlier on, they are, they're massive to me, massive to me. And the other thing I do, and this is really to just underline the importance of prioritizing those three things, is I repeat daily affirmations. And one of mine, one of mine is my bank balance does not equal my worth. And it's, it's, it's one I would suggest that you guys take on if you're in a position where you're struggling, you're struggling to dig yourself out of that dark place. You know, maybe your finances aren't exactly where they're supposed to be um, or where you think they should be, where maybe you've, you know, just lost a job or just had to step out of a business or, you know, you've had some sort of financial rock that's met that's actually rocked you to the core. And I would say this to yourself because it helped me out. It was the understanding that dug me out of my dark place after I stepped away from, from, from my gym. But my bank balance does not equal my worth. And it's, it's absolutely, absolutely essential for you at any given point in time, even when you hit major success, to separate the two and not believe that the two, that the two are one. Uh, as I said, that's one of my actual morning rituals. Uh, it's one of my actual morning rituals because for a long time I believed that the amount of money that I had in my bank balance was what gave me authority, what gave me power, what gave me status, and actually is far from the case. Far from the case. Your bank balance does not equal equal your worth. Money is a product, a product of success. It's not the definition of it. So, that's the first episode. That's the first episode. We're out of time. So I need to go. I've got stuff to do. And yeah, we're out of time. So thank you so much for listening. We're going to be bringing these to you over on a week-to-week basis. Um, this was just be me by myself, but there will be others joining me as we come in for the weeks and we tackle various things and try to come up with ways and reasons and and and, and definitions to this thing called life. And most importantly, understanding as to how we run for it. I'm going to leave you with this 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 quote from Henry David Thoreau. I'm going to leave you with this this quote from da- from Henry David Thoreau. Success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Put that into your pipe and smoke it, and I'll see you next week. Until then, you guys stay strong <laughs> and stay focused. Peace. <laughs>